0: Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the small
1: of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high-fiber, good scotch, and I believe in
2: long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses
1: that last for three days.
2: Oh, my... Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. I love winning, man. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than
0: losing. These are the ground rules. I hook up with one guy a season. usually takes me a couple weeks to pick the guy. Kind of my own spring training.
1: It's cold in here. You think Dwight Gooden leaves his socks on?
3: Sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. Yeah. He did know. I told him.
0: Yeah. Honey, I want you to wear these when you're pitching on the road. They're garters.
1: Rose goes in the front, big guy.
0: Love is a lot like baseball.
3: It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game.
2: Kevin Costner. Get
0: a hit, Crash. Shut up.
2: Susan Sarandon
0: Have you ever been oh, okay. tied up in bed? Tim Robbins
3: Woo-hoo! I'm too old for this.
0: Bull Durham
3: Hello everybody and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spitaro and today I am joined by Jonathan and Maggie Schaefer-Hames. How you doing guys?
1: Hello, hi,
3: Paul. We're
1: doing all right, thank you.
3: We're doing okay. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that. And <laughs> anybody who's listening, we've already had a conversation that that squeaking is their new puppy who likes chew toys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. And, well, she'll stop <laughs>
1: eventually. Yes,
3: it's <laughs> the price of doing business. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you MWC you guys... stands
2: for married with canine. In this state, <laughs> yes, so. it does. Yes,
3: so. it does. You guys are getting pigeonholed in two ways on on this show. Uh, Originally, for anybody who's listening, uh, I had reached out to John and Maggie and I had asked them if they wanted to come on and do Blazing Saddles, which we were planning to do, which would make them pigeonholed as Mel Brooks people because they've already been on to do Young Frankenstein. But then as we record this, I'm not sure exactly what date this is going to be posted, but as we record it, we're one week into the baseball season and a little light bulb went on over my head and I said, hey, how about we do Bull Durham? And having done major leagues last year, that makes you also pigeonholed as my baseball people. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm all right with that. So.
2: Well, that's okay. Getting
3: pigeonholed as something means you don't have to think as hard. That's true. true.
1: That's true. There's
3: <laughs> you know, something to be said can. for that. Thinking hard is not everybody's favorite activity. No, if I'm going to be
2: pigeonholed, <laughs> if we're going to be pigeonholed as anything, being as Mel Brooks movies and baseball movies, yeah. I think I'm all right with that. Right. There's a, there's <laughs> a lot right. of quality you, you could go through in there.
3: It's, it's funny with baseball movies because it's not – a huge genre there's not a you know a tremendous number of baseball movies and it seems like every other one stars kevin costner uh, <laughs> but i mean two certainly two of my big favorites today we're going to do bull Durham, which is one of my favorites and uh what's call field of dreams is a, is a huge favorite of mine although for the love of the game not a big fan
2: Right. I think we talked about that a, a bit last time and it, it is one of my favorites. So maybe we'll eventually get that like in two or three baseball seasons. Yeah, we maybe do we'll,
3: it. we'll get to that so that we can have a, uh, a, a an intellectual discussion as to our difference of opinion,
2: mm-hmm. which, which I and enjoy doing. Yeah.
3: So, you know, but then there's also the old standards. I you know I'm still a, a, a mark for pride of the Yankees, mm-hmm. uh, bang the drum slowly you know, you know, the, the tear jerker ones. Uh, sure. So. There's, um,
2: the Sandlot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, is a great one. Uh, Bad News Bears is a classic.
3: Yeah. There's, there's okay. enough baseball movies that they, if we do, if we were to do one a year, they will outlast my podcasting career. Cause I don't know yeah, that I'm going sure. that long. <laughs> so I got We got to pick the favorites early, I think. And Bull Durham is definitely a favorite of mine. Uh, and I saw this in the movies, but, again, I'm older than you guys, so I don't know if you guys would have seen this in the movies.
2: No, I actually don't really know when I saw this first. It was probably, uh, I probably rented it on VHS at some point. Just I definitely saw it after I had seen Field of Dreams. Mm. I know that, and that probably would have drawn me to watching it because it, feel like Kevin Costner was pretty good in that baseball movie. Here he is in
1: another one.
3: (laughs) How about you, Maggie?
1: Oh, John definitely introduced me to all the baseball movies. Because baseball really wasn't my thing until I met John. Um, And there are some that I haven't seen that I'd really like to. We haven't seen 42 yet.
2: That is true. And I
1: haven't ever seen The Natural. And I really do Mm. love uh, Robert Redford. So I'd like to see that one as
3: well. I would recommend 42. Yeah. Uh, The Natural, I was one of the few naysayers on that. Almost everybody I know loved that movie, and I kind of thought there's a lot of things in it that are very exaggerated, and it's intentionally so, uh, but they kind of turned me off to the movie a little bit, whereas other people just adore it. So Mm. uh, I'm I'm not going to, I can't give it a high recommend, but certainly enough people like it that I would say you'll probably like it. You know,
2: it's not a movie I enjoy watching, though it's a movie I, I recognize as a quality movie. Hmm. It's just I don't know if what the director was going for really clicks with me. I read the book and did not like it. The book is bleak, hmm. gotcha. incredibly bleak. And this one is there's a little bit of Hollywood in it, but the story is supposed to be bleak. I mean, the darkness mm-hmm. pervades throughout it and the, the way they use light, you know, to just... Well, you know the famous scene.
3: But this isn't, we're not talking about the nah, natural. We'll get to that in, I don't know, 20, <laughs> 20 years or so. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're talking again about Bull Durham. Now, I was familiar with Kevin Costner at this point, having previously seen him in No Way Out, uh, which okay. I really enjoyed. And he was really, you know, like a rising star at this point. Uh, you know, he. You know, I guess also the I think the Untouchables predates this, but I'm not certain of that. Mm. Uh, but again, his star was definitely on the rise. And I find that now looking back, he's kind of a polarizing figure. Uh, people I talk to either think he's great or they hate him. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's there's very yeah. few people who say, yeah, Kevin Costner, he's OK. Uh, I've kind of ebbed and waned and gone on different things because in early in his career I really liked what he did then after he did uh, Dances with Wolves I kind of felt like he got a little full of himself and was doing a lot of uh, projects to, to bolster his ego uh, and you know he kind of like faded his star faded for me I think I think it's faded for a, a good number of people uh, but he has definitely resurrected himself for me with the series Yellowstone which I love so
2: I I I've liked him.
3: Uh, it was similar
2: with me. I think, you know, I, I never was a huge fan of him. I think uh, there's a lot of movies he's in that I, I he does okay. There, there actually I think his performance in this movie is kind of a microcosm for his performance throughout his career.
0: There are scenes in which sick. I Sorry. think
2: there are scenes in which his absolute you know approaches genius with the portrayal. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes that he almost ruins. Yes. Because with his wooden delivery on a couple of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But and that's kind of like any movie he's in.
3: Well, yeah. I, I I think like, that the, the best example of that is his very, very poor and uh, very erratic English accent in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. See, and, and actually I was going to say, because before I saw Bull Durham or any of the baseball movies with Kevin Costner, I had seen Robin Hood, his Robin Hood and a part of Waterworld. So when John was like, "Yeah, Kevin Costner's in I was like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm give it a shot. Because I am, I guess I'm in the minority where I do feel like Kevin Costner is just solidly okay. It kind of depends. He's sort of like Nicolas Cage. Like You know how people have that argument about whether or not Nicolas Cage is actually a good actor? I think Kevin Costner kind of falls into that category, too. And it really depends on what he's doing.
2: Yeah, he's really nailed, nailed Westerns down since about, what was it, open, open Range? Open Range. That was a good movie. It was the unique thing of having a cowboy movie with actual cowboys in it for once.
3: Hmm. You know,
2: they weren't gunslingers, they were just regular you know, ranch like hands ranch that hands, had yeah. to deal with it with the issue. Cows. <laughs> and he's kind of <laughs> at that point he wasn't as full of himself and he's kind of really as a what, kind of shattered himself.
3: I, in a I way, think. Stopped. At that point he may have actually kind of risen and dropped and now you're, he was trying to resurrect his career because right. i think he had done a lot of the vanity projects before that and putting himself into a movie with robert duval uh, you could do a lot worse uh duval yeah. duval is one of these actors who i don't think i've ever seen give a bad performance uh, and i think from when i watch it i think his performances tend to elevate the people around him
2: i i would agree with that wholeheartedly that's
3: so I'm I, trying to... I, you know the, the the another actor who I feel that way about is Gene Hackman uh, he's been in some awful movies but I don't think he's ever been awful uh, and The Bird Page He's great
1: He is. I love that movie. I love half of that movie. I love the first half of that movie very much.
3: Okay. Second half. Maybe we'll do that Sorry. at some point. Uh, now now in getting ready to watch this to or to Record with you guys tonight. Uh, I sat down with my wife and we watched the movie. uh, You know, for for me over again. I don't know if I don't know if she had seen it before this, and we were discussing it as it was going on, and I was getting a little frustrated because she found Susan Sarandon's character Annie Savoy to be unrealistic in her mind, and I kept saying everything I've ever heard about this movie is it's the most realistic portrayal of the minor leagues ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she was like but but we but who is this woman she comes out there and she's she's this guru who knows how to teach people how to how to be baseball players and then you see her in the batting cage and clearly she doesn't even know what she's doing uh you know it's it's like okay Mm -hmm. you know but but you're missing the point. This is a good movie, <laughs> so, so it was a little frustrating. But I can't honestly, I can't say she was wrong, but, but it was still frustrating for me just the same, because uh, I, I wanted her to love it. All
2: right. I actually think that part of Annie's character, if I may, is that I think that's part of the point. I think what I really I watched I've watched this movie many times, and so that but it had been a while since I'd seen it. And what I really noticed this time is that this is a story of three people that are mal...
1: Maladjusted? Mal-
2: not, let's, maladjusted, mal... um I, I came up with a fake word that kind of gets it. These are...
1: Malnourished? <laughs> yes,
2: no. Maldeveloped. Okay. They're, they, they're at... They're not complete people. Mm. They um, all think that they're complete people, or they think, or in Kevin Costner's case, you could say he thinks he's incomplete for different reasons. But all of these people become better people by the end of the movie just by interacting with each other.
3: They are all flawed. Yes. Uh, You know, they're they're all too dependent on their own self-image based upon the baseball season
2: exactly and baseball is the the glue that puts them all together her main issue is is she's a complete poser you know she's a, a part-time teacher at what seems like a community college in a in a medium-sized town and she's very good at quoting um, you know quoting the poets but is very bad at knowing what she's talking about shes she knows that this is supposed to be meaningful but she doesn't get that. She, and that's what she tries to define her life around. But the only thing she's good at is baseball, in which she is incredibly good at. Yeah, she might not be as physically good in the batting cage, but she's good enough that she can look at someone and see what they're doing wrong mm-hmm. and instantly be able to, to call it out of that.
3: Yeah. But, it's she, kind of but she here. tends to, quote psychobabble quantum physics that I don't believe is based in any sense of reality. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. She thinks it
2: is. She's, she thinks she's sounding impressive. You know, at what, and if that's where she starts out, you know, is defining herself as this, and she thinks she's got a good thing going. You know, this is her summer, so she doesn't work during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets, every summer, she gets to hook up with, with a ball cl- player. She gets to watch baseball. She gets to feel great about herself. Well, this has been going on for a while. You know, and then she's starting to wonder, is this really all I, I want out of life? And then you've got the other two who are equally da- you know, equally flawed and damaged. I mean, Nuke comes out of the gate. He thinks he's got it made. He's the fastest pitcher he knows. He already has a Porsche. He doesn't have
1: constantly talking about the Porsche. (laughs) Well,
2: that's of course he is. He's 18 years old. You know, (laughs) he's finally out from under the thumb of his crazy Christian father. You know, and he can do whatever the hell he wants now. He's got more money than he's ever seen. Uh, And Kevin Costner just wanted to slow, you know, play baseball as long as his body allows him to. And now he suddenly has to do this stupid project.
3: But the project, while he, you know, I mean, in the course of the project, and I think I'm just picking up on the thread that you're putting down, is, right. the, you know, the over the course of the project, he grows as a person. He, exactly. teaches, he teaches Nuke to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And she's probably the slowest growing. But at the end, I think she has the moment of self-realization. And then, you know, by having that grows. I don't think she grows over the course of the season at all. But I think she grows at the end.
2: yeah yeah that's exactly it. once she starts to grow, I mean she she realizes she hasn't grown when she's confronted with when he says all in all honest you know when she accuses him of of telling t- uh, nuke to not sleep with her you know just to mess with and he says in all honest and seriousness, if he thinks he's on a streak because he's not getting laid then that's why he's not getting laid and you should know that. And you should
3: respect that. And you should respect that. Yeah.
2: And then, and that was the moment where she realized, you know, she had to decide what is important about all of this. And, that and then is, she tried.
3: That is actually a very realistic thing, not in, you know, the sexual aspect of it, but, you know, my extremely clumsy sports activities that I've done in my life, uh, when I have a level of confidence, I perform so much better than when I have any kind of self doubt. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously, you know, it, it's funny to see that people at a professional level have that same situation, but the reality is they do, you know, they that these, you know, professional athletes, when they, when their confidence is high, they do wet, they do better. And that's why, you know, they come off often as arrogant. And there's a scene in the movie where he, I, I don't remember towards the end when, uh, Nuke purposely misquotes him, but he says you need to to approach the game with arrogance and I don't even remember what else, what it's
2: what Oh. Uh, oh that's right, that was one of the better
3: ones. Mm. But but that's the reality of it. If if you don't have that arrogance, you're gonna start questioning your own ability. And if you question your own ability, you're gonna fail. That it's it's that simple. You know, you're know you playing at such a high level with people who compete at such a high level that you cannot afford to question your own ability. You have to be able to go forward and just perform. And even when you make a mistake, you have to say, well, that's an aberration and I'm not going to make that mistake again. You just have to be able to shake it off and move on because if it, you start questioning yourself, again, you are not going to perform.
2: I believe it was arrogance and humility, which you was saying that at the same time you have to be arrogant, but at but the other time remember where you are. It was, it was I don't
3: know now I wanna look it up anyway and it, anyway but but there is a reality to that and I think I think that's where this movie is very realistic in in many ways and I think part of it is the mental part of the game uh you know where he's wearing the uh the garters and and thinks he's breathing through his eyelids and somehow that, that <laughs> makes him you know, that makes him do better. But then, you know, at the end, he, he, you know, he kind of whispers to her, you can't breathe through your eyelids. So, you you know, you know, he he was never fully on board with that, which is actually, you know, nice to see, because you, you hate to think somebody that anybody could actually be that stupid.
2: Uh, well, I I took that as the, as a moment of growth for him. Yeah. That it was only over the course of it that he finally realized you can't breathe through your eyelids that he was like, well, I better tell her that, too. So she doesn't waste your time. <laughs> the next guy.
0: Yeah.
3: But yeah, and, and at the end, at the end, she declares that that's it. She's not going with young boys anymore. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's part of her growth where she's going to actually, you know, in theory, live happily ever after with Crash.
2: Yeah. And of course she is. It's, it's a baseball movie, just like, you know, the Brewers are going all the way, as are the Mets, both. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, in, in, in our dreams. Well, it's yeah. the first week of baseball season. It doesn't matter, you
3: know. but you know it's it's almost like you know he's on this fool's mission to to educate nuke and he gets the growth through that that he realizes how good he is at doing that, which is why at the mm-hmm. end he's he's ready to become a manager and, yeah, and, and I starts thought that was starts funny. asking, you know, do you think I can make it to the big leagues as a manager
1: yeah
3: and i also during the course of
2: it it's. And he he learns remembers how to have fun again. He's able to. He doesn't like become a kid again. He's he he maintain. It's it's only through that mentor role he learns how to have that he learns how to you know have fun with the kids. It's the thing he thought he was going to hate doing winds
3: up changing his life.
1: I love that scene with the. Yes. Oh my God! We got ourselves a natural
3: disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other area where this movie. As far as I understand, is pretty realistic. Uh, you know Ron Shelton, who, who wrote and direct this, directed this, was a minor league ball player at one time right and he, he put a lot of his experiences into this and again, from what I've heard, it is the most realistic showing of what the minor leagues are like. and even even that, that you know phony rainout scene, my understanding is that was something that did occur at one point in his career.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I've heard about that. I've read a lot just of just children,
2: right? I've read a lot of a fair amount of books of, that talk about minor league uh, seasons, and it seems to track with that sort of hmm. thing because it's it's children that are being forced to like work constantly, even though they're playing a kid's game. It's hard work what they have to do. Mm-hmm. They they need to blow off steam.
3: Yeah, and they, you know compared to the major leagues. You know, he's he's he talks about his twenty one days in the major leagues and how they were the best twenty one days of his life and you know, the hotels are all clean and you don't carry your own bags and you know the you you, know, hit, yeah, white you, you, hit, yeah, you hit white balls in batting practice. Huh? You know that, I, I I love that
2: scene. I love it's such a fulsome prison blues moment you know, it's like like where Johnny Cash is, or the, or the singer of that song, he's jealous because they're drinking coffee, probably. And the first thing he remembers about baseball is that you never carry your own luggage. It's like this this simple little human luxury, yeah. you know, that that's the first, that clings to him, and, and all of them are just. You know, just so warm with that because they're tired of hauling their bags everywhere onto a bus to go however many hundred miles off to whatever southern town to play another game tomorrow.
3: Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there's no there's no airplanes. There's no no first class, <laughs> yeah. you know, that they're, they're all squeezing into a bus and traveling together. Uh, I, I, you know, again, I, I from everything I see, this is a pretty realistic yeah. portrayal. Uh, now, one of the characters who I just absolutely love is uh, Robert Wall playing Larry, the pitching coach,
2: mm-hmm. and uh,
3: I was not familiar with him before I saw this. This is the first thing I can remember that I saw him in, uh, and he, he's just, his whole attitude through the whole thing, you know, through the whole thing, he's the pitching coach. I don't think I see at any point where he actually teaches pitching. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he kind of sits there and kind of reminisces. We,
2: we, if it isn't like actually supposed to be stated, we pretty much f- picked up on the idea that that his character is definitely a graduate of Annie's, uh, you know, training program mm-hmm. back in the past because he mm-hmm. seems way too familiar for every stage that they're on.
3: But I don't think I don't think oh, he's I, been. I don't think he's a graduate because he asks Nuke how it was. You know, meaning meaning like that he hadn't experienced it. I think he's seen enough players go through it. Could be either
2: either that or or he or that's his clumsy way of. So how was it?
3: (laughs) It could be. But I I, at least the way I took it, I don't think he had ever been been a student at that school.
2: Yeah, I did find out that probably his best line in the whole thing was an ad lib. Which one is that? Uh, During the the meeting on the mound. With the candlesticks? The candlesticks. The line was just supposed to be, well, I thought you guys had a problem. Let's get to it. And they did it over and over and over again. And then finally said, well, just do one for yourselves. And they went in, and he just ad-libbed that. And I guess the next day during the dailies, everybody cracked up, so they threw it in. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the studio wanted to cut it because it didn't advance the plot, but it did really well with test audiences, so they left it in.
3: And and some some of his you know what in in modern or more modern uh, shows, what his performance reminds me of, and I wouldn't be surprised if in some ways he influenced it. Uh, have you watched Ted Lasso? Have not yet. It, it
2: is, is on our short list of things.
3: There's an assistant car- an assistant coach on on that team. Uh, called coach. His name is coach beard. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if in some ways his performance was influenced by, uh, by Larry as the pitching coach. <laughs> so, and, and it's, it's a very, you know, he's got a very, uh, understated performance, but I think in, in many ways, Robert Wells' performance here is understated. He's, he just there to throw out the occasional line. He's not really, uh, he, he's never the one pulling the plot forward.
2: No, he's just usually well, well. He's the glue that's holding a scene together
1: usually. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who's always going with the flow. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly, and that's that's what Coach Beard in uh in in Ted Lasso reminds me. You know why he, he reminds me of him. Uh, very disappointing to you know as I looked into this a little bit. Trey Wilson, who played the uh, the manager, uh, apparently he passed away very shortly after they finished making this movie. Mm-hmm. At like 40 years old. Wow. Oh that's too bad and he he has you know one of the one of the best scenes with the yulali gag around this it's just that's just a great scene and it's all all influenced by crash davis telling him you know to scare the kids so he you know he's he's showing right there that he's got this instinct for how to deal with these Mm -hmm. young ball players which
2: he and which he learns a bit by watching you know how annie is is at handling nuke you know he and, is, and how he himself is handling Nuke. It's, it's, it's all a bunch of, they get better just because they're in each other's presence. And then Annie and Crash wind up being unthanked at the end of it. You know, it's like, he, you raise the boy to this and then he flies off away, you know, to make a million dollars. And then you get cut and you lose your boy and it's the end of the season.
3: But Luke Nuke is thankful yes nuke by the end you could see you know you see his character growth as soon as this all happens i gotta go find crash i gotta tell him about this
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then
3: and then when he goes to tell crash you know it's a realistic moment for crash because he's obviously jealous of the situation and he you know he, he has a tough time holding that back but you know eventually he kind of pulls himself back and and you know they have I wouldn't go as far as to say a warm moment, but they have a moment where you could see there's a mutual respect and, and a, a caring, you know, almost parental child relationship of the child who's grown up. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And it's, that's his, I think that's his uh,
2: best scene in the movie is it's, it's very hard to do to act drunk convincingly. And he actually probably, partially due to his wooden delivery, managed to pull off being drunk and trying to sound like a smart guy and just babbling things about doing baseball.
3: Oh. I'm sorry. I, I don't say this to dispute what you're saying, because I do pretty much agree with you. Uh, but I'm curious as to which lines you see as particularly wooden in the delivery. Um, Let's,
1: the scene in particular that stands out to me is when uh, um, Nuke is having that dream on the bus and Crash comes over, and his, he's supposed to, I think, be kind of comforting. He's like, it's okay, you were having a dream, like you're all right. But it's just so monotone
3: mm-hmm.
1: that it's, it's it okay. comes across.
3: You're yeah. dreaming. It's all right. You're fine. You know, that almost came across as to me as if they re-recorded the audio. It's, yeah. It just was a bad read, and
2: especially because that scene is so important because it's the pivot point of their relationship. It's where he's already starting to remember that, that of course, Nukes acting this way. He's an 18-year-old kid, you know, and that, like what he sees, and he kind of is realizing things like, you know, his his memory of, you know, of being in the show, holding on to that, you know, as the best moment of his life is kind of the equivalent of this, ki- this kid's Porsche. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it was so important, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, it's a job you guys are doing and you're different places in it. And he's starting to get, remember this. And at the moment he has that dream, that's kind of where it gets solidified for him. That this kid, he's just a kid panicking, you know, mm-hmm. and...
3: Now, one of the things in this that I thought was questionable uh, was a little bit in the casting. Is that uh, first of all, I don't think Tim Robbins is fluid enough to actually appear like an athlete. Uh, you know, he he, oh, he yeah. his his delivery looks very clumsy. It doesn't look like he'd be able to throw the ball as hard as he's throwing it. Uh, so, you know, I I was not totally thrilled with his performance. Or not, not to, and you know what? Let me take that back. It's not his performance. I think he was slightly miscast, and not only slightly. But I do think he was slightly miscast. He didn't. It wasn't enough to ruin anything in the movie, but I think it could have been. There could have been somebody who fit the role better.
2: I could possibly. I thought he was fine. I, I particularly love him in in my favorite scene, which is him shaking off Crash the first time. And he walks out and, t- and you know gives up the pitch. The guy mm-hmm. gets the home run. Where he walks out there, why are you shaking? Why are you shaking off my, my signs? And he goes, and he's backing up. and saying, because I need to assert my dominance with the th- assert my dominance with authority. As in, it's the body language between the two of them in that scene is so great.
1: Oh, because I need to assert my presence with, with authority.
2: authority and he's, he's
1: backing. He's out. retreating. Yes.
2: I thought is, I thought my- his
3: most realistic scene the scene where where i found him to be the most believable is when they meet in the bar early in the movie and they go out Mm -hmm. and they go out to fight and he's out there standing there with the whole team behind him you know kind of heckling crash to to fight with him that that seemed the most realistic to me of everything that he did in the movie and you know some of the other things he did i do believe were slightly exaggerated for comedy purposes but were a little bit less believable for whatever you know the case may be. Uh, you know, in, in looking this over a little bit, apparently uh, the studio wanted uh, Anthony Michael Hall to play Nuke, and uh, Shelton, mm. you know, went went to the uh, went to the mattresses to say no, no, no. I want I want uh, Tim Robbins.
1: I agree with both of you. I like tim robbins a lot in like the more social scenes i think his his facial expressions when he's just confused about pretty much everything is great i think he's hilarious i found myself giggling at him a lot um when we were watching the movie but i also agree with paul i don't think he he doesn't look like an athlete and he and and you're right it's not believable that he's throwing the ball as hard as he's supposed to be i i don't find that believable at all but I, I really liked him otherwise. I just didn't much like him as a ball player. Anthony
2: Michael Hall would, would have been a pretty good choice. Because it was like, in Major League, you, you you believed that Charlie Sheen was throwing the ball that fast.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He was. Yeah, for he,
1: some reason I do. He had a very he
2: had good, a delivery good delivery, and yeah. they used some good camera tricks. Even Bob
1: Eucher said he had a good delivery, so yes. there you go.
2: Sometimes it was
1: just...
3: (laughs) In in this in particular, when I I was reading about the production, they were saying Costner was a high school ball player, you know, back Mm -hmm. in the day. And he did have some actual baseball skills. uh, And that, you know, he was actually doing the things that they show him doing. And, you know, there were scenes that they filmed where he was batting and he actually hit some home runs in them. Uh, So, you know, he, he, he did appear more natural when he's... You know, doing athletic yeah. things, and the the, yeah. the the scene in particular, and it's not it's a very very minor thing, but I don't know why, but it stood out to me, is when he's in the batting cage with Annie, and he's talking yeah, so he's, he's talking to her, and he just swings the bat with one arm and hits the ball, the and, one head, hits. Yes. and it just seemed like you know, okay, that's that's showing that hand eye coordination, you know.
1: Yeah, like it was the most natural thing in the world for him. I like that a lot because Kevin Costner looked good in those batting cages. He had a good swing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and. It was it was kind of fun to see like an actor who actually had a little bit of skill in the sport, you know, of the movie, which is generally speaking not the case, uh, because how could it be?
3: And I, I I
1: appreciated that as well.
3: But I you know I guess that's also part of the reason why Kevin Costner has been in three baseball movies, a golf movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he was in any other ath- athletic roles, but you know clearly he's played athletes in, in numerous movies. And and I guess it's because he he does have that natural ability that, you know, has evaded most of us. Any other actors? Well, I guess we we didn't talk about Susan Sarandon. I have to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of Susan Sarandon. I don't find her, this is very sexist to say this, but I don't find her particularly attractive. And when they show people, like, falling over themselves to be with her, it just doesn't feel... Natural to me. I, I, again, I, I may be a little <laughs> sexist to say that, but I'm, I'm just saying you know, for them to have somebody who it's like, oh, everybody wants to be with her. Uh, you think you think you know she should be more. I I don't you know I don't know she should be more attractive.
2: Uh, I find her sexy in this movie, but I don't generally like or dislike her in other movies. Some things I don't like her in. I understand what you mean though about there's a couple of actors that that that, that um, I don't understand why everyone finds them attractive and so it it sometimes the portrayal of it I'm not going to say who they are on Paul's show because it's embarrassing and everyone will look at me like
3: what are you crazy <laughs> they're hot as hell well you see what the thing is I could, I think she's a pretty good actress mm-hmm. and I think her. Style lends itself to a role with more gravitas than this. I think just being the, uh, again being just the the, uh, the baseball groupie who everyone's attracted to, just doesn't doesn't seem right. I don't know.
2: All right. I, I I bought at least that though, because it wasn't like she was the most stunning person in town and everybody like stop what they were doing and look. It was like oh there's Annie that. That, that pretty teacher lady who sleeps with one of us every year you know it was
1: i uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is between Annie and Millie and it's when they're getting Millie's dress ready and she's like she's i think she's attaching sleeves to it and Millie asks her if she thinks that Millie deserves to wear white at her wedding, and she says, "Honey, we all deserve to wear white." <laughs> and I thought that was it's such a sweet moment. I, I really liked that a lot. I liked Susan Sarandon in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I liked her performance quite a lot. I really like her her Southern accent. <laughs> it, it's just it's like a very warm kind of uh, very traditional sounding southern accent and i you know because she kind of narrates or she does she narrates the film actually Uh,
3: i I like the narration very much so i can you know i can take back that aspect of it i like how she says baseball (laughs) (laughs) i do i I think the bottom line to me you know trying to just phrase it is i I think i'm phrasing it poorly but the bottom line to me is i just don't see her as the sex pot. sure and that's that's what I think they' they're trying to to put her as as the sexpot slash baseball guru and
1: I guess mm-hmm. and i I am of the opinion that anyone can be a sex pot yes. if you really want to be because <laughs> that's the thing I mean everyone's got a you know a different things that they're attracted to in in a, in a person and I can understand why someone would think Susan random
3: really like okay I <laughs> You know, and maybe maybe that goes to what I'm saying, too. Maybe we can correlate that to the athlete, you know, the confidence level. Somebody has confidence that just makes them more attractive. End of story.
2: Yes, it it does definitely help out. Confidence or mistaken for confidence. And plus, you know, Paul, have you lived in the big city all your life? Yeah, pretty much. Um there's a different level of um, degrees of what is considered to be really attractive and really attractive in small to middle-sized towns because you have far less options. <laughs> yeah,
1: your pool is a lot smaller. <laughs> and,
2: and there, and things like just being the hot lady who comes to the ballpark, being the yeah. hot lady who comes to the bar, you know, it's like that. And definitely a sheep. Nails that role. I love she, her
1: bracelets. It's too. like,
2: and it's all undes—the confidence that she displays in the beginning is all undeserved confidence.
1: Or when because, she's dancing with the clown prince of baseball. I like that too. Yes. I thought that was lovely when the boys were oh, yeah. fighting and being well, stupid boys, and she goes and dances with
2: But I mean, she's not as good of a teacher as she obviously thinks she is. As Lord me. only knows
1: what she's teaching I know.
2: her students. <laughs> She strikes me as—I had a teacher like that who had no business teaching. It was probably a very nice person, but thought they knew philosophy. Good lord!
3: Anywho, <laughs> so this this movie has kind of gone down, uh, you know, in the annals of uh, movies. You know, it's 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 extremely highly ranked. I'm just looking here. In 2003, Sports Illustrated ranked *Bull Durham* as the greatest sports movie. The film is ranked number 55 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. It ranked 97 on America Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Laughs. And, it, and number one on Rotten Tomatoes' top sports movies. So, I mean, oh. it, it's, it's very highly thought of. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, good. And, that's wonderful. and I, I think it's earned that, honestly. I, I think, you know, I can give you criticisms as I have, but yeah. I do think this is a... Particularly enjoyable movie, despite my wife's misgivings with it. Uh, oh, it's, it's, she'll be mad at me for even saying that. Oh,
1: um, you know, everyone's entitled to an
3: opinion. Yeah, no, she and and her opinion again, as as I said, her opinion isn't wrong. Uh, right. It, it's it's just it was just disappointing because I wanted her to love the movie. Uh, I've been there. So, you know, and, and just just to, to take this, I'm just looking at the different things on this, uh, to, to criticize my own opinion. Roger Ebert praised Susan Sarandon's performance in his review for the Chicago Sun Times. I don't know who else they could have hired to play Annie Savoy, the Sarandon character who pledges her heart and body to one player a season, but I doubt if the character would have worked without Sarandon's wonderful performance. Hmm. So, you know, huh? Roger Ebert you know God rest his soul uh was certainly more of a movie critic than I will ever be uh and and he was he, <laughs> he clearly signed on one hundred percent for a performance, so what do I know? I just do a little <laughs> podcast well, well, do you know whether or not this movie is Jaws uh you know I want it to be, but I think it's just not quite there, so I think it's a high jaws too okay. <laughs> Like the high jaws too. I get I get
2: what you mean by that. With the caveat that I've also, after clever thinking about it for the last year, I want to. Am I allowed to amend my choice uh, last time for Major League? Of course you are. Okay. I called Major League. Um, I called it. Gave it a jaws because I was kind of. We were really on a on a dopamine high from quoting the movie it was really happy and stuff and it season. is a great it is a great movie and all stuff but it's not jaws
1: no it's jaws
2: too especially and not even because i need to compare it to this one but let's compare it to this one because <laughs> The two of them hit the same comedic beats almost exactly in a lot of things. They,
1: they have almost the same characters.
2: In a lot of cases. Yeah. And I realized the difference between the two that makes that Major League for me, Jaws 2, and this one I'll give a Jaws. Uh, in Major League 2, the storyline serves the screwball comedy situation that and in this it's the reverse the comedy is there to serve the story and the story is very well done and the actors tell it very well so i think this one's jaws i think it earns all of the accolades it gets i think everyone's great it's so good that even kevin costner almost ruining it a couple of times doesn't ruin it so it is jaws for me
3: Hmm. maggie what do you think
1: i'm kind of like i i was thinking about this last night and I, I wish that there was like a had been a Jaws one and a half like like Lion King one because a half. Uh 'cause I'm I'm kind of in between Jaws and Jaws 2 I, I'm actually I'm so I'll agree with Paul. I'm gonna give it a high Jaws two. Wait, we're talking about Bull Durham now? Oh, I'm confused.
3: <laughs> yes, yes we, we are talking 'cause you're
1: talking about, you're about changing your major leagues score, I, but I yeah. Did, so so. Bull, bull Durham I I would give a high Jaws two, yeah. I don't remember it, it does have two moments of, of homophobia in well, it that part of it it that I liked what John said last night when we were t- we were talking about it because I mean at least they are little things I guess, but um he was like, yeah there's no one more afraid of being conf- or being accused of being gay than men who spend a lot of time naked together. <laughs> And it does seem a little absurd because that's absolutely true. It's a, it's just their
3: kids, their jocks. It was the 80s. I know. Was... I'm
1: aware. I know. It doesn't mean I got to like it. I right.
3: know. Hmm. I don't remember where I fell on, on Major League. I think I gave that a Jaws too as well if I didn't. You did. Oh, okay. So you remember better than I do. <laughs> uh, and and, I, and so I so I can stand by that because otherwise I might have had to amend it as well. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I would say in the grand scheme of baseball movies, I would I hold this in slightly higher regard than I do yeah. Major League, but I, but I do love both movies.
1: Major League definitely has more laughs and more mm-hmm. like harder laughs, but Bull Durham is it, it's got a sweetness to it that Major League doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Bull and Bull Durham
3: has a little more heart.
1: It does. Yes. It does have a lot more heart. Um. I'm glad we watched again, because it's, it's been a little while since we've seen it. And in fact, it, it's been a couple of years, and I wasn't sure if I was still going to like it. Um, and I was very glad that I no, I do like it.
2: Well, I can't wait to do Field of Dreams next year. <laughs>
3: I've been so waiting to do Field of Dreams, honestly. So we, it's a good one. We will definitely get to that, and I'll look forward to that. But for now, is there anything on this one that we haven't hit on that you want to touch on before we close this out?
1: Trying to think, I just want to make sure. Mental checklist.
3: There you go. Alright. Well, um, I was, sure, sure,
1: I was sure. just glad that we got to talk about it.
2: I it's, really am, too. It's a
1: good just, baseball movie. And, like, I I kind of harassed John for a couple years, like, about watching it. and He just wasn't in the mood for it, which was fine. So we, we watched other, I think we watched Major League <laughs> a couple of times instead, which is fine. I was, and I'm glad we, we got to watch Bull Durham again. Uh, yeah, we I very
2: happy. I like to usually watch this one late in the year, you know, Dog Days of oh, Summer, because yeah, it sure. it feels like a... A late summer movie, even though it takes place over the course yeah, of a thing. Yeah, but... over the
1: course of the, the season. John even mm-hmm. went and got me a, a cream soda because that's that's like the mm-hmm. I only drink it in the summertime. It's my summer soda. And we we're watching a baseball movie. We had hamburgers. We kind of Yeah, the total
3: atmosphere going. Oh, you faded out on me for a second. Are you still there? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. You, you went for the whole the whole feeling. Uh. Mm-hmm. We're trying. You should yeah.
2: have had some hot dogs, too.
3: So you, I, I said like that,
2: but dogs. she doesn't like hot dogs. No,
1: so. they're icky. They're... I do love a bratwurst, though. <laughs> the
3: that, is so, that is so inconsistent.
1: Why is that inconsistent? Brats are significantly better than hot dogs.
3: They're, 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 well, the, the reason, to me, the only reason to dislike hot dogs is the knowledge of what is contained within it, and I don't think that Bratwurst is any better? Uh, I think they're both delicious. Oh no, I
1: don't like the flavor of hot dogs at all.
2: Oh um, uh, yeah. Well, it's we're in Wisconsin where there's a lot of more locally sourced bratwurst. Oh, So I'm so mm. a little more, I'm a little less uh, put off by the ingredient process than, than just like whatever you get in the, the store. But
1: right, the area. I was gonna say. I I'll,
3: that was I'll accept source. that. So. Just anybody listening, the plan is that I will probably be having John and Maggie back in the n- pretty near future, because we're not going to just wait forever, uh, and we'll do Blazing Saddles, which is what we were planning on doing tonight originally, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to look forward to doing that, and I'm pretty confident you guys are looking forward to it, and I hope everybody listening is looking forward to it as well.
2: Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, But in, <laughs> a lot of things to say about that.
3: But in the meanwhile, why don't you guys... Tell everybody where they can find you.
2: Uh, our podcast lately, uh, <laughs> that's,
1: that's it's been sporadic.
2: <laughs> yeah, we well, I am t- i am taking cl- uh, library information service classes, and we got a puppy, so our our updating is a little sporadic. because yeah, that's it
1: about takes all we can do right things.
2: now. So we appreciate being on other people's shows. Yeah, it's, thank you, because you It's, you get it's to less ask. work. <laughs> Um, But if you like to listen to our old shows and the (laughs) occasional ones that we put out now, um, uh, we are MWC Podcasts. Uh, Right now, that's for Married with Canine Canine. or or Married with Comics, Married Watching Cartoons or whatever else we can shoehorn into the acronym. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just turn whatever podcatcher you want to MWC Podcasts and you'll get it there. I am on Twitter. Uh, I'm at MWC underscore podcast.
1: And I am at Maggie N.
2: The rain. That's pretty much it.
3: Okay. Well, I want to thank you guys for making the time to talk to me again. I I do look forward to these occasions, and I'm going to uh, look forward to our next one, which again should not be too long from now. And uh, thank everybody for listening. what's wrong i'm a little nervous my old man's here your dad's here where's he at He's right behind home plate don't look don't look look he's waving hey he's just your old man he's as full of shit as anybody hey what's going on
2: breathing through the wrong fucking (laughs) eyelid again (laughs) no shut up hey did you guys hear about jimmy and millie yeah they got engaged can you believe that oh yeah well wait till i
1: tell him she's gone down and half the carolina leave
2: hey Anybody says anything bad about Millie, I break his neck. Excuse me, you guys. I
1: got a game to pitch here. Hey. hey, you guys. Don't throw me anything. My girlfriend put a curse on my glove.
2: I'll take that hex off the fucking glove. Give me the glove.
1: Well, then you got to cut the head off a live rooster. What
2: the hell's going on out there? Looks like a convention. Pretty soon they're going to call the roll. <laughs> Get your ass out there and check it out.
3: But Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here?
2: Well, nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a
1: live ro- was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit.
3: Well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can find out where she's registered. Maybe a place setting, or maybe a silverware package. Okay, let's get to it. Let's go. <laughs>